Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. This podcast is all about business, branding, sports, leadership, and how to move the ball. And I'm just going to put it out there that if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you never miss an episode. All right. So today I've got a fantastic guest with us, someone who played in the NFL, who has a BCS national championship under his belt, and someone who knows how to move the ball. And I was just thinking about this as I guess I've got a little bit of an SEC theme going on here for you football folks out there. The last episode, we had a Bama guy on the show. Today, we've got a Florida Gator. And next episode, I've got Jason Campbell. So we've got Auburn showing up on the show too. So just a theme. And being a Bama girl myself, I'm okay with having SEC representation. So anyway, let's keep things moving along here. Inside the huddle with us today, I'm ready to share his perspectives, his insights, his lessons, and to help us move the ball is Major Wright. Major Wright is a former football safety who played college football for the University of Florida, where he was a member of, as I mentioned, the BCS National Championship for the 2008 season. Post-college major was drafted in the third round of the 2010 NFL Draft by the Chicago Bears, where he played for four seasons, and then he played with the Tampa Bay Bucks for three more seasons after that. Major, welcome to the show. Ah, Jen, thank you for having me on this show. Well, I'm so glad to have you on. One, you're an SEC guy, which is good. SEC sticks together, except on game day. And (laughs) when we're playing each other, I should say. Otherwise, we still root for each other in championships and stuff. And also, you're a former Bear. So go Bears, Bear Down, Chicago Bears. I'm really excited to have you here with us today. And where I want to kick off our conversation is let's talk a little bit about how football connects so well to business, to branding, to your career, and to life. As you know, my book, Move the Ball, talks about a number of strategies and principles that I think are important that help us show up in the world to reach that next level of success. Share with us, what has football really taught you about being successful both on and off the field? Football has taught me to never give up, even through my toughest times, the battles, the ups, the downs. It taught me to always keep pushing and always keep going. There's always that extra inch that you could go or that extra mile that you could run. Football has definitely taught me that. And I think that's the difference between completing your task and not, because I think some people think, When it get tough, I can quit. But in football, there's no quitting. I don't care how tired you get, what you got going on, there's no quitting. Football has definitely taught me that. And I think that's the main thing that football has really taught me. And that's what really helps people to be successful is the showing up and never quitting, no matter what obstacles and things you might face along the way, whether it's defenders on a football field or it's just things that happen in life. Yeah. And even if you don't get the job that you want, it don't end there. The push continues. Maybe that job isn't for you. Maybe God has a different path that you need to be going down, but just not quitting. That is it. 
Absolutely. Can you share with us a time since you talked about that maybe you didn't get that job that you wanted? I mean, that really comes down to rejection at the end of the day. And so can you tell us about a time in your life where you maybe had faced rejection and what did you do? Like, how did you keep yourself? Ah, man, I'm going to tell you this. 2014, 2015, when the Bucks cut me, I still feel like I got a lot of football left in me. I feel like I'm really just getting started. So when I got cut from them, first off, I felt like there wasn't 34 safeties out there better than me. So for me being cut, all right, cool. Now I just have something against Tampa because y'all cut me. But after a few months later, no tryouts, no nothing made me really start understanding. But then I get one tryout and that was for Carolina Panthers. That tryout go amazing, great, everything go good. But it was a hiccup in the road somewhere. They told me that at the end of the meeting, they was like, you know, Major, we're going to go a different route. So that kind of like hurt my feelings. And that kind of like right there made me understand that I could be told no, but the road don't end here. But when I was told no, then I never got a call back to go play back in the NFL. So that no was much bigger than the no that Carolina told me. So I'm still young and I still got at least five, six more years left in me in the tank that I feel that I can go out and go play and be productive. But that know that no one called me, I never got a call on either from the NFL or from my agent too. I took that to the heart and that no was probably one of the hardest no's. And then me trying to figure what else was next going to happen in my life. I probably took that the hardest. And I just want to ask you, because I think mental health is so important, and I'm glad that there's more of a focus on it now. And there's still a lot of work to do in terms of resources and helping people. But I guess, how was your mental health during that time? And getting cut from a team is not a unique situation to you. It happens to guys all the time. What advice would you share to somebody to help keep their mental health strong as they're trying to figure out what is that next step, maybe trying to get a tryout with another team or they realize it's time to move on. Honestly, it is so hard mentally to battle that. I've been playing football all my life since eight years old. And for it to be taken away from me just like that, it was crazy. And mentally, you have to be strong. You have to be a strong individual to mentally gather yourself, understand what you're going through, and continue to progress in life. I think the biggest thing is hanging around the people who is going to help you. And when I mean help, not just being around you or just got their hands out or whatever, you need help mentally, physically, and emotionally. And for me too, financially was something that I needed guidance on. And I didn't have anybody around me to help get me through that as well. Because the information that I needed to continue to succeed business-wise, I wasn't receiving any of that. And nobody around me was talking about business to make me get a better understanding of business. I think that's key. Making sure that you're surrounding yourself around people who's going to pour into you and not take from you. Oh, I really like that. I think that's so important, who you're surrounding yourself with. We all know is important. I think we all conceptually know that. I think it's the implementation of it that makes it a little bit harder because sometimes it's hard to 
cut those ties or, or sever them. In my book, Move the Ball, I have a chapter called Drop the Deadweight, which is all about people like that that are taking from you instead of filling your cup, filling your bucket, helping you to continue to level up and to progress forward. It's huge because even the people that you've been around all your life, sometimes you don't know that they're taken from you because you don't see that. You don't feel that. But if they're not pointing to you, obviously they're taken from you. Absolutely. And I think awareness is part of that, just being aware of your surroundings. And just like on the football field, being aware of who's on the field with you in life, who's out there playing the game with you. And are they helping you or are they taking away from you? So I want to transition to you playing football at the University of Florida. But before I do that, I do want to throw in another question here because you have a brother, Daniel, who plays at the University of Alabama. Is He's getting ready to progress from college to hopefully go pro as well. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to Daniel and to other folks like your brother who are just about to break to that next level? Continue to educate yourself because I feel like education could take you out of any situation. I know for me, one thing that I did do, I did put all my eggs in one basket. I did just think about football and then think about the future. But it hit me harder when I retired and I didn't have anything else to fall back on. That's when it hit me. It didn't catch me when I was playing. It didn't catch me a year after. It caught me three years after when I couldn't figure out what would be my next move. But I think educating yourself in all aspects, financially, even when you're on the field, make sure you become a student to the game and off the field. Make sure you be a sponge to be able to soak things up and be able to learn from it. But I think education is probably the biggest thing I would tell any college athlete or any person on this earth. I'm telling you sure. that education is so important and it's so huge. Absolutely. And as I was listening to you, you made me think about how I've had a number of guys on the show when they talk about their success in the league. One of the things that helped them was they hooked themselves up with a veteran that could kind of coach and, and guide them along the way. And I think it's important not only as players looking to do that with veterans, also it's important to look for mentors off the field that can help guide you. So that way, when your time is up because you choose to hang it up, or in many cases, it's made for you. Sooner than you want, you feel like you still have time left to play and things to give, but that opportunity isn't there. But you've already started to position yourself through other relationships for what's next beyond that. And I think something that I've seen that I just want to share here, which I think is very important, it's great to see, is I see more and more younger guys getting on LinkedIn, which is a professional networking site, and trying to connect with business leaders. And so, I mean, we're talking even like first, second, third round draft picks are getting on LinkedIn, starting to think about what's next for me as well, because you can have a career ending injury, right? And then boom, it's gone. Like what then? So I think it's great to see more and more focused on the education piece to your part and getting smarter about other things outside of football while they're still in the league. Yeah. And the best time to start it is just when you're in the league, because you got your name on the back of your jersey. Everybody know who you are, rah, 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 this and that. But once you get done, it's harder for you to tap back in to those sources when you're not out there playing for those teams or for an organization. It's so hard to go back in and tap back into it. So the best time to start is when everybody got their eyes on you. You're yes. doing this for this community. You're doing this for this team. You're doing this for this job. It's the best time. It's no better time to start than when you're playing. And I thought opposite. I'm thinking 
I do this when I'm done. You know what I'm saying? I can handle that when I'm done. But nah, it's a hundred times harder when you're done. Absolutely. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because I've had many conversations with guys over the last couple of years about leverage your time in the NFL to create opportunities to open doors because you have that name on the jersey. You have the NFL behind you. People know who you are. So capitalize on those opportunities then. So let's transition to college football. You're playing at the University of Florida under Urban Meyer, wonderful coach. You guys win a BCS championship. Talk to us about what it was like. So the year before you got there, Chris Leak and the team, they win a championship. So then you join the team second year in, you guys win another national championship. Talk to us about what it was like playing culturally, just the experience being a Florida Gator. Ah, listen, honestly, there's no words to describe those feelings at University of Florida because it was an amazing time of my life. Like when I tell you being around a good group of guys, guys who wanted the same goals, guys who wanted to be something and wanted to make history, it's nothing like it because we was willing to do what it took to make sure we got what we wanted to get done. And Every last one of my brothers on that field will go to war for you. It's not a better feeling winning the national championship, being considered one of the best teams to ever play the game of college football. It's crazy, honestly. And we be having like little meetings right now. And just to get on the Zoom with some of the guys and to see everybody doing well, it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, the brotherhood, the camaraderie of being a part of a great football team. It's very hard to replicate that in other settings. There's not many other ones where you would understand that bond. And I'll just say being a service member myself, I mean, it's a similar type of feeling. Everyone that's with you, they are your brothers and sisters in arms, and you will go to battle with them. And you're there to handle your business and accomplish the mission. So let's talk about that BCS National Championship game for a minute. It was January 8th, 2009. I believe the game was played at Dolphin Stadium. You guys played Oklahoma, 124-14. You ended up having nine tackles and an interception in that game. What was it like? How did you feel getting that interception in the championship game? Oh, man. And honestly, the interception, it hit so many hands before it got to my hands. (laughs) (laughs) It it was took by, I want to say, Joe. It was took by Ahmad. It was took by... Ryan Stamper, and then it wound up in my hands. But And I was like on a two-yard line, a three-yard line, stopping them from scoring that drive. And just to be able to get that turnover was big, especially in that time of the game. I mean, it was huge. And I honestly didn't think I was going to come down with it because <laughs> I was on the opposite side. But knowing that the ball was thrown that way, so it, it sent me that way. And it being tipped so many times, like tip, 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 tip. And I just came over like, hey, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed the ball and I tried to get ready to get jiggy with it. But as soon as I grabbed it, I got hit. And it was a really pivotal moment in that game right now, you know, to, to get that interception. But it was amazing, honestly, to know that I can come away with this interception and to help my team. Sure, absolutely. And let's talk about Coach Urban Meyer for a minute. Obviously, great coach has had a long career of success. Talk to us about what in your mind makes 
Urban Meyer, a great leader and a great coach? He's very detailed about everything. Some coaches, they're the head coach, so they feel like they don't need to do much. They leave it up to the coaches, the assistant coaches, whatever position coach it is that we have. They leave it up to them. But Coach Urban Meyer, he specifically coaches the special teams, all of them, from punt, kickoff, kick return, and field goal. Coach Urban Myers, he teaches that. And before you're able to touch any part of offense and defense, you have to play some type of special teams. And if you're not good on special teams, most likely you're not going to touch that field. (laughs) (laughs) I can still remember it today. So I played punt. And it's a step that you have to take these steps before anything, it's like a pivot where you go left, right, you make contact with the guy. And I wasn't as good at that because in high school, I ain't have to play much special teams. And I'm sure a lot of the elite athletes that was playing, they didn't have to play as many special teams. And I ain't have to play many special teams, but I didn't really know how to go out and go out and play punt because I, I ain't never played punt a day in my life. So for me to go out there and go do this and to know that this will affect me going forth with playing defense as well. So I had to go out and be actually pretty good at this punt thing. So I had to work on this each and every day, something that I ended up gradually getting better at going down the line. But what I think that separates Coach Urban Meyer from a lot of coaches that he is the coach when it comes to special teams. And in order for you to play any type of offense and defense, you have to prove yourself on special teams to go out and get approved on offense and defense. Gotcha. And it seemed like from what you shared, being someone that wasn't used to playing that position, it pushed you out of your comfort zone. And obviously we do that and that makes us better. We get ourselves uncomfortable. Listen, either you're going to get with it or you're going to get love. <laughs> yes, very true. So let's talk about you playing in the NFL. So you were drafted third round, 75th overall by the Chicago Bears in the 2010 draft. Talk to us about what it was like being drafted by the Bears. Oh, man. It was a dream come true. It was everything that you could ask for from a dream. You dream about things like that. You dream about what you talk about becoming the first person in your family to do something. And I was the first person in my family to be drafted by any NFL. And just that itself made it special. But on top of that, being able to live out my dream to play at the peak, the top of the food train when it comes to a professional sport, it was heartwarming. It was feelings that don't come across often. Because you have so many players that come out of high school, want to go to college. You got guys who come out of college that's really good that want to go professional. But for me to be the 75th pick in 2010, just it was it was priceless and it was amazing. It was a feeling that I don't think I ever be able to get back, even with all the stuff that I'm doing and and all the stuff that I got going on. I don't think that feeling would ever be able to be back because I had that goal as a kid. And that's what makes it so much special to live out something that you dreamed about being a kid 
and living up to that as an adult. Sure. And it's definitely something to be proud of. I mean, we know very, very small percentage of kids get the opportunity to play college football and a very small percentage of that makes it to the NFL. And so to be drafted in the third round is definitely something to be very, very proud of. Yeah, it was amazing. So let's talk about a couple of things here. You got your first career interception in 2011, Michael Vick Pass, when he was with the Eagles. What was that like for you getting your first NFL interception? It was great. And it coming from Michael Vick, watching Michael Vick, oh man, you couldn't tell me nothing. And you couldn't tell my neighborhood I grew up in nothing either because we was old. (laughs) I think Vick should be Hall of Famer. That's just my opinion. But I think he changed the game when it came to a running quarterback. Absolutely. I think he brought a different aspect to the game that a lot of quarterbacks didn't bring to the game. So I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But for me to be able to pick him off was amazing. Like, it was a goal checkoff. When you get to the league, it's guys that you watch growing up, and it's guys that you want to pick off, it's guys that you want to tackle. That was one of those guys that I wanted to be able to say, hey, look, I can tell my kids, hey, I picked off Michael Vick. I did that. (laughs) And then the following week, you got your first pick six in your career against the Lions with Matthew Stafford. So how were you feeling? I mean, you must have been on cloud nine, back-to-back games with those kind of performances. Ooh, I was on fire. Listen, they (laughs) they tell you interceptions come in bunches. And for me to get one from Vick and then the next week to pick off Matthew Stafford for a pick six, you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> I was on fire, man. I started getting more confidence, started believing more in myself, and started believing more into the defense. And that's what kind of made me start becoming better at the things that I wanted to become better at. Sure. And the following season ended up starting all 16 games of the season, had four interceptions, 52 tackles for the year, had a great interception against the Rams. What would you attribute aside from like the confidence that helped you to continue to build upon your success? My growth and learning the system to the T. And thanks to guys like Chris Harris coaching me too, like being able to understand offenses. You see certain formations. You can expect this. Man, Chris Harris, he taught me so much. And I think that what helped take my game to the next level because there was certain stuff that I just could never identify at -hmm. first that when I was out there, I was like, oh man, I see this. This is easy. Like I could do this and still be able to get to my spot. I think just learning the defense more, the ins and outs and learning offenses too, as Mm -hmm. well is what helped progress my game. Sure. And you mentioned Chris. I haven't talked to Chris in a couple of years. It's a reminder for me. I need to ping him, see how he's doing. So I'm glad you mentioned his name. So I love your energy and it's great to be able to look back on games and experiences and get excited about them. And sometimes we look at things and we laugh at things that happened as well. So I want to ask you about a specific game, your rookie season playing the Dallas Cowboys. And there was a punt return where something happened. So talk to us about that. And I can see you laughing here. What happened there? <laughs> I had already, like, before this game even started, warm-ups and everything, my hamstring was already kind of like I had not seen it. And it was kind of bothering me before this game. So game day come, 
extra. I'm doing a little extra. I, got, I even got this little ball that I have and it helped get all the knots out of you or whatever body part that you need to get it out. I'm rolling, you know, I'm feeling a little better, but I still feel my hamstring. You know, like I still know there's something is a problem. So we don't punt and I'm on the opposite side and we punt them the ball. I'm on the left side and we punt the ball. No, I'm actually on the right side. I'm on the right side. I don't know what side I'm on. I can't even remember. But whatever side I'm on, I get off and I'm trying to fight the guy off me. And he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I'm fighting as hard as I can. I'm like, man, get off. Get off me. I need to get up the field. And next thing you know, I hear like the crowd go, ah. So I look ahead and I see Des Bryant. He gone. So I'm like, man, let me try to go catch him. So I turn it on. I'm over there. I get close. I'm like, yeah, I got him. And I get at least probably two yards behind him. And my hamstring pops. Pop. And I'm like, oh, my. I start limping. And I'm like, this really, really sucks. I get this close to this guy. I don't make the tackle. And he scores. That was a really, really bad moment in my rookie career early to let me know, like, listen, first off, you ain't one of the fastest guys out here. Second off, punt ain't for you. <laughs> third, off, third off, this is going to be bad when I get back to the sideline. So I'm going to get cursed out by my special team coach <laughs> and I got to go see the trainers. So <laughs> it's all bad. So let's transition out of football and let's talk about some things that you're doing now. So you've got a foundation, the Right Way Foundation. Moving the ball for me is all about not only what you do in your own life, but it's about what you do to make a difference in the lives of others. So talk to us about what impact your foundation is making for others out there. So the Right Way Foundation is for single parent moms because I grew up in a single parent home and I know how tough it gets for single parent moms. Back then, I didn't really understand it. It was really tough for my mom growing up and we moved around a lot, but I wanted to make sure I had something that was dedicated to single parent moms because me understanding how tough it can be without that extra parent or without the other support, it becomes difficult. And it makes the ladies have to struggle and fight a lot harder when they don't have to. So. I wanted to make sure I had something that covered single parent moms. It made sure I did my part in that. Sure. Can you give us some examples of some of the things that your foundation does? Some of the things we've done Christmas, we took families Christmas shopping. We done paid some families rent, fed families. We even went to some of the women's shelters and just gave them like a spa day where we got their nails done, feet done, played games, fed them. We made it very family oriented. We wanted to give back time and just to have fun with them and let them know that they're still humans and let them know that this is our fight, not just their fight. I love that because it does take a team to be able to move the ball. We've all had, no matter what our circumstances are, we've all had situations where we've needed other people to help us. And so I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And do you have a website or where can people learn more about what you're doing with your foundation? Well, we're working on a website now. We're working on getting it a lot more bigger and a lot more exposure to it. Right now, it's just through my page and, and whenever I feel like 
doing something with families. I just go with my feeling. And sure. that's one thing about my foundation. It's not based on how other people feel. It's based on how I feel and the things that I feel like that can help people. Oh, that's great. And we'll be sure to have your page in the show notes so people can at least keep the prize of what you're doing with the foundation and everything else as well. And so something else that you're doing is you have a publishing company that you're building out. Tell us a little bit more about the right publishing company. So yeah, the right publishing company self-published my own book and I started my own, my own company. A lot of people act still today like, how did you self-publish your book? How did you do this? What steps did you do? You have any notes, any any tips you can give me on publishing my book? So instead of me sitting down just saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'm creating a formula to where it just walk you step by step through self-publishing your own book, where you don't need nobody else's guidance. You don't need anybody else to tell you this and tell you that. My publishing company will help you self-publish your books from not even having the idea of writing your book to all the way to having your book in hand. It's not just a book that I'm going to just give you the steps. I'm giving you everything where I got stuck at. I even give you ideas on how you can start your book, how to even create your book, how to come up with titles, even how to push your book. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, I got a book, but now you still have to go out and promote your book. Tips on promoting your book as well in my publishing company steps. Oh, that's great. Writing it is a huge endeavor, but then the marketing aspect and the promoting it is an even bigger feed, I will say, if you want to be really successful with your publication? I would say the most important thing is, I would say the cover. A lot of people don't understand that. First, I have to see your book to know anything about it. I may not know nothing about it, but I have to first get the visual of that book. So your book cover is very important because you want your book cover to grab people's attention before they can even read anything. I would say the first, the main, the valuable thing is make sure I got something that people could see. And once you see it, you're like, all right, cool. Maybe it may not be talking about nothing in the book, but as <laughs> <laughs> long as you got that cover, you can catch people's attention, you're good to go. You obviously want to have good substance in the book, but I mean, people that don't know who you are are not going to get to the substance if you don't have an attractive cover to really draw them in and get them intrigued into what you have to offer. And I know you're in the process of putting together a website as well for that. And so we'll be sure to have that in our show notes once it's up and ready so people can learn more about all the great things you're doing with your publishing company. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And so now what I want to do to close the show is walk you through my two-minute drill. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready as I can be. <laughs> all right. First question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, ah, oh that, is, that is tough. I probably will have to go with one of my younger brothers. Okay. How about, what is your favorite vacation spot? So far, Jamaica is an amazing vacation spot. And I want to say Tulum is too. Oh, nice. Okay. How about, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Butter pecan. Oh, that's a good choice. How about, what is a pet peeve of yours? A liar. And people who don't be on time, because I think time is one thing we can't get back. Absolutely. The next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I am not reading a book 
currently right now, but I do have a few that I did order. I'm supporting some people that has written books. So I do have books on the way. Okay. Podcast. I am athlete. I love their podcast. Brandon Marshall. Yes. Fred Taylor. Chad Ochocinco. Channing Crowder. Those guys are doing an amazing job when it comes to giving out great content and being very relatable. that that everybody could hit on and everybody battling something. So I feel like those guys are definitely killing it right now. So big shout out to Iron Athlete. Yeah, it's a fantastic podcast. One of my favorites as well. All right, my last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? So I'm going to go with Sean Taylor. Played safety. He was one of the best. The reason why I'm picking Sean Taylor is because I played safety too. And I would pick his brain just to see if he was thinking the same thing I was thinking back then, just to get that gist of everything. Another person I would say, Warren Buffett. I would want to pick his brain to see financial wise, what are some of the things that he did come across that he did hesitate on? Or how did he know that stocks or whatever he was going to generate so much of his wealth. My third person probably would be Beyonce. I throw a woman in there. There you Um, go. Beyonce, just because of the amazing voice that she does have, the all the success that she did have, how is it being married to Jay-Z, keeping their relationship alive? Like I just would pick their brain just to see how I could use the information to help my life. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Beyonce's. I can't recall many people bringing up a woman in their three people. So I appreciate being a woman myself. I appreciate that. I definitely want to be able to get a woman perspective as well on a lot of things because as men, sometimes we feel like we know it all, but we don't don't know it all. And I'm the type of person that I'm a realist. So I know I don't know it all. So I can learn from a woman a kid. You know, you can learn from everybody. Absolutely. So what I want to do now to close the show is just ask you to share with us, how can people follow you on your journey? We're going to put your page in our show notes. Where are you on social media? Y'all can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LaMade, L-I-L-M-A-D-E 21. And I would definitely keep y'all posted on everything I have going on. I got some great stuff in works. My birthday is Thursday too. So It's going to be an amazing year. I'll be turning 33. And I'll definitely keep y'all updated with everything that I have going on on all my social media platforms. Well, happy early birthday to you. The day that we're recording this, it is my birthday. Happy birthday, Jen. Thank you. So I'm glad to have SEC representation on my birthday. You know it. (laughs) And thank you so much, Major, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. No problem. Thank you for having me, Jen. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.